in case you didn't know, there's some crazy stuff going on. Right? God's still in control. He told us this is going to happen. And this is just the start. If you watched what happened last Saturday and uh, the following days with the attack on Israel, it was absolutely brutal. Things I don't even want to speak of from the pulpit, what they did. But it's just murder and worse. Uh, And there are ways to make just killing somebody worse. What they did to infants, I'm not going to say anymore. The... uh, the thing, though, there's two-sided. It said in Brother Paul's prayer, it's bittersweet to see this. We should be solemn on one hand because it, it to see this absolute uh, sinful hatred of Israel uh, it, it goes beyond comprehension. But the Bible said it would be that way. I didn't ever think that in America that we would be, it would be hate speech. I talked about this a month or two ago, that if I stand at some rally, uh, pride rally or whatever it happens to be, and hold up a little sign, Jesus loves you, that that's hate speech. People are carried away and put in jail for that right now in America. <laughs> so, uh, but I look at these things, and the happy side of it is I know they, they must come to pass. They have to in order to, to get to the other side. If I said uh, this one thing, promised land, what was the promised land? Somebody tell me. Israel, and it had dimensions, and it had borders, and it was described exactly in the Bible of what it should be. That was the promised land. Now, we also have a promised land. What's our promised land? Yeah, the new heaven and new earth to be with Jesus forever and ever, no more sin. So that same thing, well... To get to the first promised land, there had to be difficulty and deliverance of Israel. What's going on now, God is pleading with Israel to come to him. We're not seeing that. They're still in defiance of God and the Messiah. But God is pleading with them. And it's going to get worse. That brutality of just, you know, a couple of thousand uh, Hamas guys... What they wreaked, the kind of havoc that they wreaked on Israel is just a small part. My feelings are this is going to be kind of a global thing. That kind of brutality and hatred will be expressed in a much larger picture or way. Proverbs 8.36, I'm going to talk about that for a second. Because this is what it really boils down to. Uh, I talked about... This, I don't know, last year. I didn't go through my sermons to find out exactly when that it was. But they're servants of death. They love death. They worship death. They're a a cult of death. Proverbs 8.36 says this, But he that sinneth against me wrongeth his own soul, and they that hate me love death. They love it. The things that they were doing and then celebrating and being happy about it is sickening. Uh, and it happened before. And I'm, I'm, not, I'm talking about fairly recently with the attacks on Israel. 2006 and seven, thousands of rockets were fired from the north in Syria and from Gaza. We're just seeing a repeat of that exact same thing. All they want to do is rearm and uh, attack Israel again. Rearm and attack Israel. 
It's funny that they made the attack and they go, okay, we need to have a little peace conference. Yeah. No, wait a minute. <laughs> you want peace now? You know what they want it for? We need to stop so we can rearm. And they've done that over and over and over. You can't trust them. Talked this morning about they want peace and justice, but there will never be justice on their side. There will be never enough to appease those against God for them to want peace and make peace happen. It's not within their nature to want peace, true peace. And that's why they always link those two. We want peace and justice. But they'll never be satisfied. Their belly will never be full with enough revenge, ever. So don't think we can't appease them. But what does our government try to do? Appease. Well, we'll just lay off on Iran. Clearly an enemy of America, but first of all, an enemy of Israel. We let them have some room in order to create nuclear weapons. Do they have one yet? I don't know. Are they close? I've read some stuff that they've got fissionable material that's very close to the purity needed to make a bomb. And that's recent stuff. Okay, uh, We tried to appease them by giving them money and support. We just set $6 billion aside in the bank to try to help them out. I don't think we've released those funds yet. But uh, I've heard a lot of arguments on both sides. Well, they haven't used that money for Hezbollah and Hamas. Well, if I got $200 now and I want to do something with it, but I really know that I have needs over here, but I can't spend it. But wait a minute. I have a promise of $1,000 coming to me. I can use that money then to do what I want because I know I got the other money coming, and that's all that we're doing. And, and we got state representatives that are standing up and saying, well, they haven't used that. They weren't involved in the planning. Now it's coming. They were involved. Iran was involved in the planning. Who back? And I'm laying out the, the groundwork for this because we're going to go through some of the nations. Who supports Iran? Two big ones. Soviet Union, Russia, and China. Uh, when I was in the Persian Gulf, we, we were... Uh, I work, always worked in Intel. And we knew what weapons and things that they had. The, the Iranians had silkworm missiles, which were... They came from China. So we knew what the silkworm missile did, was capable of. And these things were funny because they were big. Even if the thing didn't blow up and hit your ship, it'd probably knock a hole in the side of your ship. Anyway, these armaments have been, and that was in 86 to 1990, right? Same people, same hatred, same support from the other evil empires. And it's continuing. It hadn't gone away. So uh, we know that the Persians have help from those of the north and those farther east. Period. It's there. Uh, appeasement. Again, we can't appease them. It won't work. I love the part of the prayer about the... Because I didn't go that direction when uh, the little book, you know, towards the end, who, who had the... Who could open it? And Jesus Christ was the only one. But this little book uh, that opened, which brings a lot of terrors on earth, but those things must come to pass. But it was bittersweet. Because... With the sweetness of what we're looking forward to, there's the bitterness of what must happen before. It's called travail. It's called birth pangs. 
It's happened before. Uh, and it's going on now, is what I'm saying. It's not the first time that Israel has been under attack and gone through these birth pangs. When the children of Israel fell and through that, they were going through birth pangs in order to get to that promised land. And other times they were taken into captivity. What was happening? Well, they, they sinned and they fell away from God. And what did God do? Removed his hand of protection and then other uh, entities came in and took them over. It didn't happen just once. Uh, Egyptians, Medo-Persians, and so on. You can go down to Romans. Uh, all those empires uh, uh, inflicted pain on, on Israel. And the last one, the Roman Empire, that's when the Diaspora happened. Uh, they were wiped out. Uh, not one stone was left on the other for the temple and so on. You know that part. But there was the Diaspora. They were no longer there as a nation. They weren't a nation. They were gone. They were all sent to all parts of, of the earth. Uh, planted in different places. Then they were attacked in the most heinous way. It's hard to understand and I don't. And I can't profess to say I do. <clears throat> but with the Holocaust, six million people died, were killed, tortured, maimed, gassed, uh, had medical experiments performed on them. Uh, you know, we have a lot of our medical things today because of the results of the tests that were done on Jews. It, it's sickening. Bear aspirin, you ever had one? <laughs> they were Germans. And I just look at some of these things. Okay, but let me get back to the painful part. Six million people, they were in the nation. It says over and over in the gospel that they will be brought back. Those that were Sin away will be brought back. Well, we know that happened in 1947 and 48 with the Balfour Accords. I probably have that name wrong. It's close. But they met and said, hey, we're Great Britain pulled out. They were colonizing that entire zone, the Levant area, Syria and all the way through there. They pulled out and then they made uh, a nation for Israel or a part, which was very small compared to what it is today. But they were given a place to come back to. Then as they keep coming back, what they found out is they could spread their area. And it really happened by the attacks on them in 1967. And Israel tore their enemies apart and then expanded. Okay, you're going to attack us? These are our new borders, right? To protect themselves. And uh, some of that has happened with the uh, what is called the occupation. America calls it the occupation. The United Nations calls it an occupation. And it's not. It was God's land. He gave it to them. Period. It was their promised land. Sin brings about so much. Whether it's in your life, my life, or people of Israel. Through sin, Lucifer fell. Through sin, Adam fell. Through sin, Sarah and Abraham didn't follow what God said, didn't have faith in his promise, and Ishmael was born, and now we're seeing the result of that sin. God always promises that. There is a result or consequence of sin. We're going to go to 
Genesis 12. This is just one of several examples. There were another one uh, in uh, uh, Isaiah and Jeremiah and other ones to describe the captivity and the pains that Israel went through in order to bring about good. When they were in captivity in Babylon, they were singing songs by the rivers of Babylon. What were they wanting? They were yearning to go back home. They were yearning for the place that God gave them. Captivity, yearning to go home, sin, captivity, uh, correcting themselves, God honoring that, forgiving, and then moving on, giving them their place back. God even had one of the kings help them rebuild. Only God can do that kind of stuff. But this is not the first event. This is the first of several that's happened to Israel uh, over the time. But I want there's a point here that I want to make about birth pangs. I'm pretty sure there's some women in here that are familiar with giving birth, right? So, woman becomes pregnant. There's a time period. And they say, well, at 3.45 and 30 seconds later, on this particular date, that baby's going to be born. The only way that happens if it's scheduled C-section. But the rest of it, how do you know? How do you know when a, when a baby's about to be born? I'm going to move around today. I'm nervous. How do you know? You can talk to me. Birth pain. Okay, I learned about that when, when my two kids, I had to go to these classes. Lamas, I think it was, right? You get to teach them how to breathe and do those things to take that pain. You don't just have the first birth pain and go, okay, we're ready to go. No, you may have many. called Braxton Hicks contractions, I think. But you have a contraction and then they're, you know, 30 minutes, 45 minutes apart. And then you have another one. And then they get closer together. And they get closer together. And you know by the time they're just a couple of minutes apart, it is time to get ready. Because something wonderful is about to happen. The other part of that, it's the worst part of the pain for the mother at that point. And I was going to bring this other scripture. Man, there were so many scriptures to bring into this. But then you have the joy and the miracle of all that pain and you hold it and see it and know that it's a miracle and that it's a gift that's what we're waiting for now did I ever want my wife to go through that pain to give me my kids no but there's no other way it, it works that way and I can tell you she was not happy when she was going through that maximum amount of pain not happy with me either. <laughs> but it was joyful in the end because of the result. And that's what we're waiting for. We know that there are birth pains going on in the world today, but it's going to bring something wonderful. We're going to see and encounter things that we don't want to, don't want to see, that could be distasteful, but we know that it's going to bring about something really good. That's why I can look at this both ways. Bittersweet. Again, the sickening things that were done to Israel, I, I, I can't even fathom it. But I can tell you, that's not the worst that you're going to see if we're around. 
how people are going to act. The only thing holding them back right now, in my opinion, is the Holy Spirit and His power of restraint. But when He no longer restrains men, and if He lets them go completely, they will annihilate one another. It's clear in the Bible that they'll do that. So, uh, this restraining hand pulls back, and then these sins, motions, and uh, desires of these people and hatred of Israel will come to fruition, and we're seeing it now. Is there a tie between Hamas and Hezbollah and the enemies of Israel? Yeah, they all hate Israel, and they all serve Satan. I made a couple of posts yesterday uh, from the Quran. Quran 35.4, I think. But what it says is, people can deceive, but Allah is the greatest deceiver. It's in their Bible. Uh, that is not my God. My God's not a deceiver. My God is truth. He's the embodiment of holiness and perfection. And that's what I aspire to be too. Or to be with, I should say. And I guess I will be there too once I'm past this veil of sin and uh, this body of death. I better get to this or I'm not going to get through everything. Genesis 12, did I tell you that? Verse 1. Now and Abram said, Get thee out of the country and from thy kindred and from thy father's house unto a land where I will show thee. And this is, he was from the Far East, Chaldean uh, area, uh, Iraq, Iran, and that, that zone. And I will make of thee a great nation. I will bless thee and make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing. You know, Israel has some of the smartest people on the planet. The things and inventions that they have developed are just mind-boggling. But listen to this next one. This should be recognized and cause fear in people. I will bless them that bless thee, and I will curse him that curseth thee, and in thee shall all the families of the earth be blessed. Are all the families of the earth blessed by Israel now? Well, some, because of that intellect and invention and ingenuity. But the real blessing is coming at the end once we get through all these birth pangs. It's in the end when we see the fruition of all of God's movement. Isaiah 26 now in verse 12. It's going to be difficult to watch. But what I'm going to tell you is, I don't think it's always just going to be outside of America. We have, I don't know how many people have come across the border that were uh, evil, parts of Palestinians, it doesn't matter, pick your pick your evil nation, that, uh, and I was joking this morning about Dearborn stand, uh, which is Dearborn, Michigan, full of uh, Muslims, and they hate America, and that's why it's kind of been called Dearbornistan, because of their population. But that's not the only place where there are evil people. It's all, they're all over America. Do we have sleeper cells waiting to activate and commit uh, uh, things, uh, villainous things against American citizens? I don't know, but I predict it's probably true. We need to be prepared. I'm going to talk to you about the end. On one thing we can, again, one hand we can be 
uh, happy about the future and what's coming, but it's also a solemn time that we need to be prepared in our hearts. All right, uh, Isaiah 26, verse 12. Lord, thou wilt ordain peace for us. Listen to that word. For thou also hast wrought all our works in us. O Lord, our God, other lords beside thee have had dominion over us. But by thee only uh, will we make mention of thy name. They knew they failed. They knew they served other gods. They knew they uh, uh, followed Baal and others. They are dead. They shall not live. They are deceased. Talking about the gods. They shall not rise. Therefore, hast thou visited and destroyed them. Uh, those gods and their followers, and made all their memory to perish. Thou hast increased the nation, O Lord. Thou hast increased the nation. Thou art glorified. Thou hast removed it far unto all the ends of the earth. That was the spreading. I, I think this is a reference to the diaspora, but maybe not. Lord, in trouble have they visited with thee. They poured out a prayer when thy chastening was upon them. Here we go, like as a woman with child that draweth near the time of her delivery is in pain and crieth out in her pangs. So have we been in thy sight, O Lord. That has happened over and over with Israel. Birth pangs to get to something promised. Uh, uh, birth pangs while they're going in a time of sin and captivity, but they were going to be brought out. This is a pattern. And I thought when I was doing this is, well, does God work in patterns? You may not like that word. I've talked about this this morning briefly. But I know God's consistent. He never changes. So if you see, saw how he acted with uh, Israel in Egypt and then continue down the line uh, with all those others that have been uh, over them, again, uh, Medo-Persians all the way down to the Roman Empire, dealt the same thing. They were looking for deliverance and peace. We have been with child, we have been in pain, we have, as it were, brought forth uh, wind. We have not wrought any deliverance in the earth, neither have the inhabitants of the world fallen. The dead men shall live together with my dead body, and they shall arise. Awake and sing ye that dwell in dust, for thy dew is as the dew of herbs, and the earth shall cast out the dead. Come, my people, enter thou into the chambers, shut thy doors about thee, hide thyself as it... Uh, as it were for a little moment until the indignation be overpassed. We need to have this assembly get together uh, as a group and as a people until this indignation passes, and it's going to be awful. For behold, the Lord cometh out of his place to punish the inhabitants of the earth for their iniquity. The earth also shall disclose her blood and shall no more cover her slain. There are bad things coming. How are we going to write it out? Uh, only through the power of God. This flesh is afraid. But through the Spirit, I can be empowered to endure whatever I'm supposed to endure. Through the Spirit, I'll, I'll be able to witness and perform and minister in, and under no matter what condition I'm put under. Uh, I hope I never put under threat of death. And I think the hardest thing would be I'm not about my life. What if it was my wife and children that they were threatening? You know, deny God or, or I'm going to kill them. You know, that kind of thing, that kind of pressure. And the only way you can withstand that kind of thing is through the Spirit giving you strength. And to behold that and watch it. There were Israelites 
this last week that watched their children slain before their very eyes. I can't think of a really a more painful thing. But this punishment's coming. Uh, the earth uh, shall disclose her blood. I once did a, a sermon on, on blood. It's really important. What did the first murder, blood of the first mur murder, do to God? It cried out unto him. And then he has to appease it and take care of it. He gave them a blood covering and so on. But uh, the blood of Abel cried out to God. The blood of all these other innocents are crying out to God. There is a time of recompense or compensation to that evil. I want to read the next verse of the following chapter. In that day the Lord with his sore and great and strong sword shall punish the Leviathan, the piercing serpent. Well, that's happening. Is it going to happen? Are we talking about a local, global thing? Are we talking about the end? I, I don't think it matters. There is going to be an end of all things. Satan will be put away and, uh, again, along with all of his followers. We're going to go to Joel 3. Could have used the whole book of Joel in this. But there have been a lot of wars uh, that have occurred uh, near Israel uh, in the Valley of Jehoshaphat, the Valley of Decision. I'll wait till you get there, Joel 3. Joel, Amos, Obadiah <coughs> in that zone. But many wars have been fought in that valley of Megiddo. That's why we come up with Armageddon. Uh, it's a it's a terrible battle, and we're going to read some about that in Ezekiel. But just keep that in mind. For behold, in those days, starting with verse 1, and in that time when I shall bring again the captivity of Judah and Jerusalem. This is uh, prophesying about something that hadn't happened yet that's in our past, but I also believe it's prophesying about something that's in our future that we haven't seen. Oftentimes there are many dual applications that, that uh, God put in here. I will gather all nations. Well, all? Does all mean all? I would say, I guess, right? So all nations. Well, they are they all against us? Well, there are those that prophesy, well, we want to help America and Israel. But deep down underneath, they don't. If they support the UN and support other things, they're still anti-Israel. John Kerry's an evil person. He did all those things with Iran, letting them have room. Oh, we can trust him. So even those within our nation are evil. Oh, and by the way, did our government stop John Kerry from doing those things? He wasn't even an elected official at that time. No. They allowed it to occur. So they are complicit in that kind of evil. And most of our government is. You look at most of the liberals and they're going to tell you they side with not Israel and just look at what they're saying. You know, it doesn't matter. Uh, AOC and uh, some of the others, the squad, there's four of them, but they hate Israel. Uh, one of them was had a Palestinian flag hanging out of our office in Congress. I, it blew my mind. That kind of brazen hatred of America and you're trying to serve, 
Say you serve the public. Rashida Tlaib, in case you want to put a name to it. Oh, this is terrible. Bring them down to the valley of Jehoshaphat. We'll plead with them there for my people and for my heritage Israel, whom they have scattered among the nations and parted my land. And they have cast lots for my people and have given a boy for a harlot and sold a girl for wine that they might drink. Yea, and what have ye to do with me, O Tyre and Zidon and all the coasts of Palestine? You seen some familiar words? Will ye render me recompense? And if ye recompense me swiftly and speedily, will I return your recompense upon your own head? Because ye have taken my silver, my gold, and have carried into your temples my goodly, uh, pleasant things. The children of Judah also, and the children of Jerusalem, have ye sold unto the Grecians, that ye might remove them far from their border. And this happened again in a greater fashion with the diaspora post-Roman Empire. I just lost my place. Where was I? Seven. Seven, okay. Behold, I will raise them out of a place whither ye have sold them and will return your recompense upon your own head. And I will sell your sons and your daughters into the land of the children of Judah and they shall sell them to the Sabians, to a people afar off. The Lord has spoken it. Proclaim ye this among the Gentiles. Prepare war. Wake up the mighty men. Let all the men of war draw near and let them come up. Beat your plowshares into swords and pruning hooks into spears. And let the weak say, I am strong. Assemble yourselves and come all ye heathen and gather yourselves round about. Thither cause thy mighty ones to come down, O Lord. Let the heathen be wakened. And come to the valley of Jehoshaphat, for there uh, will I sit to judge all the heathen round about. Moving on down to 14. Multitudes, multitudes. It's a lot of people. He says it twice. In the valley of decision. For the day of the Lord is near in the valley of decision. Uh, it, it's hard to untangle Ezekiel 38 and 39. And I've looked at it different ways over the years, and uh, I think it, it, to me it's describing more than one campaign against Israel. We have some that are in the initial campaigns going on now. Uh, by the way, Israel's been in relative peace for the last few years, right? And I kept wondering, well, if it's peaceful, in order to have a guy come on the scene, the Antichrist, and bring peace, they have to be at war. Well, guess what happened last week? They've been attacked. So there's going to be a, a person that comes on the scene that fixes things. He has answers. People follow him. And Israel will follow him as the Messiah. But there has to be war and tumult and difficulty for a man to step in and make peace. And it's a temporary peace that does not remain. It's a man-made peace that cannot continue. It won't. So, somewhere between in the tribulation, and I'm trying to pack so much in, but the tribulation of seven years, seemingly, 
that guy that makes peace for the first three and a half years sets up the temple and he sets himself up to be worshipped. And then even more march on Israel. So it doesn't matter how many campaigns there are. There are armies that are out to take Israel off the map. And that's literally the words they use. We want to wipe Israel off the map. Word for word. You can go look them up, listen to these guys, whether it be a Hezbollah leader, Hamas leader, or Iranian. doesn't matter. They all say the same thing. They hate each other, by the way, but they hate Israel even more. Uh, and that's just the way they are. Verse 16, The Lord, Lord shall roar out of Zion and utter his voice from Jerusalem, and the heavens and the earth shall shake. And uh, But the Lord will be the hope of his people and the strength of the children of Israel. So shall ye know that I am the Lord your God dwelling in Zion. There's a message in here for Israel. At some point, some will see their salvation and will believe. Others, the remnant believe. Most of them will follow the Antichrist, the wrong God, and believe the wrong thing. Psalm 83. I don't know if I'm making it to the end, so I'm trying to skip a few things. That... Psalm 83, verse 1. This is a prophetic psalm. There are ten nations listed here that come against Israel. Uh, I handed out a map earlier this morning about the, the nations or peoples as they were just after... Noah's time in the ark. And Shem, Ham, and Japheth were spread out. Those same zones exist, although the boundaries and countries and names are different. But some of them are very much the same. But this psalm is really interesting if you go back and compare this psalm, a list of nations, the list in Israel, and the list in the table of nations in Genesis chapter 10. Go look at them all and kind of compare Psalm 83, verse 1. Keep not thou silence, O God. Hold not thy peace, and be not still, O God. That's our prayer. Uh, we want God to act. We count on him to act, but he's going to do it in his time. We need to be patient. For lo, thine enemies make a tumult, and they hate thee, and have lifted up the head. They have taken crafty counsel against thy people. Counsel. Iran, China... And the Soviet Union have already counseled together. They may not do everything willingly, but they have a common enemy, Israel and the U.S. Taken counsel against thy people and consulted against thy hidden ones. They have said, come, let us cut them off from being a nation that the name of Israel may be no more in remembrance. Does anyone think that that doesn't apply today as well? Listen to the words they're saying. They're using the same words right now. That Israel may be no more in remembrance. That goes against everything that God says. Through Israel, blessings are going to come to planet Earth. There are going to be painful things before that. But through that happened. What was the first biggest blessing 
that Israel brought to planet Earth. He's got a name. Jesus. Wow. What a Savior. We, we sang that, didn't we? But Jesus. But there's more. As that King of Kings and Lord of Lords, when He's put on the throne and everything's put under His feet, that is when the final gift of all things, uh, the consummation of all things happens, and we're going to get to see it with our eyes. We're seeing painful, ugly things now, but later, the things of this time aren't even going to be remembered, not important to remember, because we're going to be with the King of Glory forever. Praise His name. Consulted together. They are confederate against thee. Oh, for they have consulted together with one consent, and they are confederate against thee. The tabernacles of Edom, and the Ishmaelites of Moab, and the Hagarines, and Gebal, and Ammon, and Amalek, and the Philistines, and the inhabitants of Tyre, Asher, uh, also is joined with them, and have hope in the children of Lot, Selah. Do unto them as unto the Midianites, and also to Sisera and Jabin at the brook of Kison, which perished at Endor. They became as dung for the earth. And that's what happens to the enemies of God and the enemies of Israel. Well, who are these people? I know this kind of can get deep and cumbersome. Tents of Edom. That's the descendants of Esau. Palestine refugees and southern Jordanians. The Ishmaelites are Saudi Arabians. Moab, Palestinian refugees and central Jordanians. The Hagarites, those are the Egyptians. Gebal, North Lebanese. Ammon, Palestinian refugees and North Jordanians again. Uh, Amalek, Arabs of South Israel. Philista, Palestine, refugees, Hamas of Gaza Strip, inhabitants of Tyre, Hezbollah, and southern Lebanese, Assyria, Syrians, and perhaps northern Iraqis included, children of Lot, Moab, and Amnon, Ammon, Ammon, whatever, A-M-M-O-N. That's the list of God's enemies, and they're still God's enemies today. Maybe under different names and different borders. But that's the list of those that hate Israel and are going to march against them. Back to 11, verse 11 of that. Make their nobles like Oreb and Zeb and all their princes, uh, Zeba and uh, uh, Zalmanah, who said, let us take ourselves to the houses of God in possession. Oh my God, make them like a wheel and a stubble of the wind. Think of all those again, those empires that took over Israel. Where are they now? Anybody know where they, I don't know, any of the empires that I listed? They're gone. They're not remembered. As the fire burneth wood and the flame setteth the mountains on fire, so persecute them with thy tempest and make them afraid with thy storm. Fill their faces with shame that they may seek thy name. You see the purpose in that? Tribulation will cause people either to hate God more or draw them to him and ask for help and forgiveness. It has two things. God's actions and word never return void. It always produces something. Always. It's never just null. Let them be confounded and troubled forever. Yea, let them be put to shame and perish. 
that men may know that thou art, whose name alone is Jehovah, and art the Most High over all the earth. That will be proclaimed. They hate him now, but it's going to be proclaimed. You mean you're going to be ashamed? I want the mountains to fall on them because they know their shame and there's no hope for them. Because they followed the guy with the answers and took the mark. Whatever that is. And we're into that today, cashless society and all that stuff. They're wanting to push us to that so they can control you. But that men may know whose name alone is Jehovah. Now, Ezekiel 38. Man, this is... Yeah, we might make it. Ezekiel 38, verse 1. Uh, I handed out a little map. Again, what we're talking about, Shemham, Japheth, Japhethites were up north. But some of these uh, places that are mentioned, uh, uh, Meshach and Tubal, that's directly north of Israel, and it refers to Moscow and the Soviet Union. And so there are things that are mentioned there that are in place today, although by other names and borders if you'll accept it that way. In Ezekiel 38, is this uh, describing one of the campaigns against Israel or several? I, I, I don't know. But it seems to me that there may be more. There's attacks at the beginning of the tribulation and attacks, uh, they finally assemble in the valley of decision and God wipes them out with the word of his mouth. So it really doesn't matter, but the conclusion should be the same. There are peoples of the world that hate Israel and are going to assemble together together against God and against Israel. Okay, can you accept that, right? So uh, I would encourage you to look at some of these things and compare to what was then, what was now, the nations and so forth. All right. Ezekiel 38.1. And the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Son of man, set thy face against Gog in the land of Magog. Gog is the leader of Magog. Magog is the northern parts above Israel, which is Meshach and Tubal, or the Soviet Union. And it could include China. I, I really don't know. China's kind of over there, but they're definitely involved. The chief prince of Meshach and Tubal, and prophesy against him. And say, Thus saith the Lord God, Behold, I am against thee, O Gog, the chief prince of Meshach and Tubal. Those words, when it talks about a prince of an area, in my opinion, most of those are talking about demonic influences. The prince of Persia that Daniel was praying. He, it took 21 days for Michael to get to him. 21 days. He's praying. Michael couldn't get to him for 21 days. Why? He said he was engaged in battle with the prince of Persia. I don't know how that works. I don't know if there are hidden battles that we can't see that are going on now, that there's an earthly representation while there's a heavenly battle. I don't know. But I know there are battles that have gone on. In the very, very beginning, the war, and Satan and his followers were ejected. But there also had to be battles in Daniel's time. It was very specific. He prayed, it took 21 days for that answer, uh, prayer to be answered. I certainly believe that those demonic influences over principalities and powers today across the world, it's the same kind of demonic influence. I'm pretty sure that 
demons hate God. Pretty sure the demons hate Israel. And so their followers of like kind have the same feelings, right? They're driven by that same hatred, the same spirit. And I will turn thee back and put hooks into thy jaws and will bring thee forth and all thine army, horses, horsemen, and all them clothed with all sorts of armor, even a great company with bucklers and shields and all of them handling swords. And of course, this is describing things and weapons of that day. They're very different today. The lethality of some of our weapons is incredible in, in our armaments today. But put hooks into thy jaws. It, it seems to me that there may be a resistance of, to get involved from the Soviet Union and uh, Gog, the leader of Magog, the Soviet Union and others in that zone. But God's going to pull them into it, pull them into the, the uh, war. Persia, Ethiopia, Libya with them, and all of them with shield and helmet. Gomer and all his bands in the house of uh, Togarma of the north quarters and all his bands and many people with thee. Go back and look at these lists compared to what I said a while ago and compared, and I got a couple of the maps left this morning, if you'd like one of these. A map of the time after Noah. Be thou prepared and prepare for thyself and thou and thy company that are assembled unto thee and be thou a guard unto them. After many days... Thou shalt be visited. In the latter years thou shalt come into the land that is brought back from the sword and is gathered out of many people uh, against the mountains of Israel which have uh, been always waste. But it is brought forth out of the nations and they shall dwell in safety of all of them. Again, is this a reference to something in the future? I think it's a reference to them becoming a nation again in 1947-48. Being brought back. And they're just coming back by droves. And that's why they're expanding in all these other uh, villages and zones. Because they're bringing people back. Thou shalt ascend and come like a storm. And thou shalt be like a cloud to cover the land. You know, this isn't a small army. This is huge. A cloud. Sorry, I'm having a hard time focusing today. Thou shalt ascend and come like a storm. Thou shalt be like a cloud to cover the land. Thou and all thy bands and many people with me, with thee. Thus saith the Lord, it shall come to pass that at the same time shall things come into thy mind and thou shalt think an evil thought. Wipe out Israel. And thou shalt say, I will go up to the land of unwalled villages. I will go to them that are at rest that dwell safely. And see, here's, I think, where the change is and what I'm seeing. They're not dwelling safely now. They were for just the last few years. There hadn't been a lot going on. That disruption in 2006 to 2009 or so, it calmed down, but now it's all coming back exactly the same way. Uh, and I think it's just going to get worse. But why are they doing this? They have neither bars nor gates. They're really relatively unprotected. Verse 12. To take spoil and to take a prey, to turn thy hand upon desolate places that are now inhabited, 
upon the people that are gathered out of the nations. Again, that's Israel, people are gathered out of the nations, which have gotten cattle and goods and dwell in the midst of the land. Sheba and Dedan and the merchants of Tarshish, uh, and with all the young lions thereof shall say unto thee, Art thou come to take spoil? And hast thou gathered thy company to take prey, to carry away silver and gold, and to take cattle and goods, and to take a great spoil? What, what's being asked? Are you doing it for these reasons? Are you doing it to, you know, take the spoil and, uh, you know, get the things that after the spoils of war, that's what you inherit? That's not what they're doing it for. They're doing it for one reason. They hate Israel. They're following that evil spirit to bring hatred and death to try to wipe Israel off the map. That's their sole motivation. And it's not for those things. Not that they won't take spoil, but that's not their motivation. Verse 15, And thou shalt come from thy place out of the northern parts, and many people with thee, all of them riding upon horses, a great company and a mighty army. And thou shalt come against my people of Israel uh, as a cloud cover the land, and it shall be in the latter days. I will bring thee against my land, that the heathen may know me, when I shall be sanctified in thee, O Gog, before their eyes. The deliverance of Israel will be witnessed by some Israelites. Some will have perished by then. But others will see the deliverance of God and what he did to the enemy. And perhaps that's when many are converted. I don't know. Thus saith the Lord God, verse 17, Art thou uh, he of whom I have spoken in the old time by my servants and prophets of Israel, which prophesied in those days many years that I would bring thee against them? And it shall come to pass at the same time when Gog shall come against the land of Israel, and saith the Lord God, that my fury shall uh, come upon up in my face, rather. For in my jealousy... And in the fire of my wrath have I spoken. Surely in that day there shall be a great shaking in the land of Israel. These people have no idea who they're dealing with. They don't believe in God. They don't believe the word. They don't believe in his power. They don't believe he's uh, omniscient. Uh, uh, I'm trying to think of the others. Omnipresent, all-powerful, omnipotent. But that's our God. They don't believe those things. But he's going to prove it to them. Verse 23. Thus I will magnify myself and sanctify myself and I will be known in the eyes of many nations and they shall know that I am Lord. Just a little bit into the next chapter. Therefore thou son of man prophesy against Gog, leader of the northern armies, and say, Thus saith the Lord God, Behold, I am against thee, O Gog, the chief prince of Meshach and Tubal, and I will turn thee back and leave but a sixth part of thee. If this is in fact one of the uh, end time campaigns against Israel, it's a large, vast army, millions, marching against Israel. They're in the valley of decision. God's going to destroy them. They think that they can overthrow everything. But God says, stop, you're not going to go any farther, and I'm going to protect my people. Verse 3 says, I'm going to smite the bow out of the left hand and will cause thine arrows to fall out of thy right. They can't stand with against God. Just a short part in 1 Thessalonians. What are we supposed to do?
1 Thessalonians 4 slash 5. Actually, 5, just verse 1. 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 1. But of the times and seasons, that's where we're at, right? But of the times and seasons, brethren, ye have no need that I write unto you. For yourselves know perfectly the day of the Lord so cometh as a thief in the night. For when they shall say peace and safety, then sudden destruction. I've used this. You've read it. You know it. And this is the time. There's not peace now. But there's going to be a peacemaker, a false Christ, an antichrist that will cause peace and safety and have answers for the people of earth. And they will clamor towards him. He's not the Messiah. He's false. Satan has a mimics everything that God does. We have Satan, Antichrist, and the false prophet. We have God, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Three and three. Satan always count. He's a counterfeit of God, a, a pale representation of himself. But see, he only wants power and control of people. And I guess people are—they just think, well, if I follow Satan, he loves me. No. He hates you, and he's going to consume you too. He's just got you working on his side. They just don't know it. Peace and safety. All right, let's go down to verse 16. Well, 15. This caught me and and convicted me. I was so mad Saturday and Sunday and Monday listening to the actual atrocities they were committing. and it, It sickened me. All I could think of was that these dogs are doing this to Israel. And the hatred that I had in my heart towards them, I I don't, I'll just say this, it wasn't righteous anger. I wanted it to be righteous anger, but I know I got the flesh in there in my anger. All right. But see that none render evil for evil unto any man, but ever follow that which is good both among yourselves and to all men. There's no other caveats or conditions on that, is there? Uh, Don't render evil for evil to just those that you don't want to or you agree with. There's no other conditions like that. It's all. And I need the power of the Holy Spirit to help me to follow through with that. Because it brings up this ire in my heart. And then what I can become like them. Right? I want them all dead. If I, if I felt that way truly, then I'm not any really different than they are. What I want is for them to see God for who he is. And I don't know how else better to put that. So what are we supposed to do when things are this bad? Well, let's look at verse 16. Rejoice evermore. It's easy to rejoice when times are good, right? Not so easy to rejoice when things are tough and ugly. The next one. Pray without ceasing. Right? We should be prepared. The only way to prepare is to, to be prayed up. Connect with our God. Ask him to save you. 
Ask him to save Israel. Ask him for his purpose to be done. Thy will be done. In everything give thanks. Wait a minute. Even for this bad, ugly, evil stuff that's going on? Yeah, it's hard. But we know, again, the birth pangs, what it's going to bring. So we can be happy and joyful of that even though we don't want to watch the spectacle. Give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Quench not the spirit. Despise not prophesyings. Prove all things. Hold fast that which is good. Oh boy, I have a problem with 22. Abstain from all appearance of evil. That's hard for me. If you walked around with me and were in my head, which you don't want to know what's going on up here. <laughs> it's not good. I think I've said this before. If you knew everything that was going on in my head, you'd throw rocks to me all the way at me all the way to the car. Right? It's we're evil. We're part of that. So we need to squelch that, follow God, and do the right thing. Psalm 25, verse 11. I'm going to close with this one. Sorry, two verses, 11 and 12. It's what we should do. This is where you start with that prayer, rejoicing evermore and all of those things, praying without ceasing. Let's start with this verse. Psalm 25, verse 11. Uh, For thy name's sake, O Lord, Pardon my iniquity, for it is great. I'm going to stop at that. If we start out with that every day, you're going to be better off. Because it puts you in the place that you should be in and changes your perspective on everybody else. What did Jesus say on the cross? Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. I'm having a hard time saying that. And I want God to lead me and guide me that I do the right thing, that I don't act out in the flesh and in my anger or uh, lash out, but I do it in a way that's appropriate because I need to start out with this. Pardon my iniquity, for it is great. May God bless you at this time. May God bless Israel. I want God to protect Israel. But most of all, I want God to come back and save his people out of Israel. Change their hearts and minds. Show them who he is and prove to them. And that this calling, this pleading with them will come to an end And then he comes back and takes us all home. 